Your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end, made-in-the-USA rod blanks. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference, too. Friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing at depths 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. everybody and welcome back to another episode of your favorite swim bait podcast scales and tails episode 116 we're blessed by another gentleman up there in the pnw uh you know kind of kind of bait builder he's he's on the brink of, of building baits and you guys might be familiar with him we're kind of kind of talk about his story about swim bait fishing and then get into the bait building stuff a little bit later once we hear his background and get kind of caught up to his life story and where we are today so we were joined by mr austin brown a resident of uh, of the pnw are you up in washington is that where you are man yeah yeah i'm just north of seattle a little town okay. called linwood okay okay so up there in seattle we are up there by seattle we've had you know a handful of guys in washington as i'm sure uh you guys are yeah. aware we've had frank uh brian um daryl yeah frank. yeah brand yeah dude we've had uh, Stephen Clipper, you know he's he's up that mm-hmm. way. He might be in a different country, but he's up that way. <laughs> he, we'll, yeah. count, we'll count him for the sake of it. Oh yeah, yeah, he's up here. He's he's basically fishing the same weather patterns we are, so he's up here. Hell yeah, hell yeah, man. Um, we'll, we'll just put a little asterisk next to his name. That's what we'll do. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But uh, yeah, dude. So, um, kind of just the general outlook of everything, just from my point of view. Uh. You're you're a swim bait guy, obviously up there in the PNW, doing a lot of those guys do catching good fish, as well mm-hmm. as you're kind of you're starting to do the bait maker thing. You've been doing that for a, like what seven or eight months now, probably. Yeah, yeah, dude. It really started in fe- like February second was the day I just I started carving wood. So, um, yeah, eight months going on pushing up nine months now, I guess. Hell yeah, dude! I remember um, Brian Speller had sent me a picture of your bait. Before I think you'd even like you would really post it about it maybe or just kind of right after and I'm like oh shit like um and and kind of like I said we'll talk about this later but your paint like even at the beginning your paint was like really good I'm like oh like this this is you're like dude I don't know there's there's that uh, kind of that um uh, general stereotype of people like getting into bait building but like you know right off the bat your stuff looks good and, and your paint looks good too so it's just kind of like well you know it, it it doesn't seem like you just jumped into it you know eight months ago. Right. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. No, it was, uh, it was kind of funny cause I literally just learned how to use the airbrush and paint and all that too. So like I just spent nothing but time looking up videos and whatnot to figure out how I want to do my, my style, you know, you know, you got like guys like BNA out there just killing it with the gills. So I'm like, man, I got to try to try to keep up and compete, but those guys are tough to compete with when it comes to those paints, man. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. I mean, it's, uh, you can tell the guys who have, who have been doing it for a while. And, and that's something that you probably, you know, realistically you stay with and you get good at after a while, you know, but it takes hundred, 200, 300 blanks to be painting on for it to, for it to kind of stick with you. Shit. Yeah, man, it was trial and error there for like three months straight, just blank after blank, trying different patterns, different colors, mixing colors, different air pressures. I'm like, man, this is, 
at first I was like, man, fuck this. I'm going to hit up Garrett customs. I'm gonna have him do some paint jobs. <laughs> I was like, this right, is yeah. getting, this is hard, you know? And then of course I just said, all right, just stuck to the guns and just tried it and kept it up. Hell yeah, dude. Well, we'll get into that stuff a little bit later once yep. we kind of hear your story and stuff. So obviously you're Austin Brown. We've kind of covered that up there in the PNW and uh, before the show, you had mentioned that, that you were in the Marines and stuff. So I guess yeah. before that, even when did your, did you grow up in, in, in the PNW and it's kind of like, is that how you got into fishing and stuff? No, I was actually born and raised out in Vegas. Um, so I lived out there for like 15 years. Um, we didn't do much fishing out there. We had Lake Mead, which has some smallies and large mouth and, you know, we would catch them like, we didn't know what we were doing. You know, we were just kind of throwing baits out there and whatever something ate. We just, we were stoked about it, but I didn't do a whole lot of fishing in Vegas. Most of mine was done when I moved out to California. Um, I moved out to a little place called uh, Valley center, which is like, I think it's attached to Lake like Wolford. Um, and then I had Hodges, which was like 15, 20 minutes from me. So we had some pretty good lakes and then we started doing some hop pond hopping and stuff around all the golf courses, of course. But, um, but again, we really didn't know and that was all in high school. So we really didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Dude, we were just throwing stuff out there in the golf course ponds mainly. Um, and then we started getting more into it, but a lot of my fishing was really done with my grandfather. Uh, he was more of a salmon saltwater guy. So we do like deep sea, we'd go salmon and crabbing and whatnot, but he's ultimately the one that got me into it. Um, then we started hitting more lakes on his boat. Of course you start off with, like the bluegill and perch and whatnot and then we jumped over to bass and he wasn't too fond of the bass but um he would still take us out we'd, we'd catch a couple here and there but heck yeah dude um so i get i guess how old are you just so i can get a get a reference on like when you grew up like what what time that was like in the bass fishing realm of things yeah so i'm 34 now i just turned 34 um so back when i was in california that was like 2004 through 2008 um, oh shit yeah so like there was like when we first started seeing big swim baits dude we were like holy shit like what the fuck are these things dude like we saw big trouts uh, i can't even remember the first one that i saw um but my buddy got it It was big paddle like a boot tail style or uh, excuse me like a wedge tail style might have been a hud or something i don't remember but Dude, I just remember seeing it going, what the fuck is that? Dude, there's no way you're going to catch something with it. And then he sends me a picture like three days later of this giant that he caught. You know, I was like, oh, God, okay. But I, even back then, I still didn't didn't get too much into it. That's about when I joined the Marine Corps. So, Yeah, dude. So you were out there like prime, you know, right on the edge of that prime California fishing. Like yeah. uh, what I think Matt Weasley caught that caught Dottie when she was 25 pounds in like 2006 or somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. It was right in that same. And I remember hearing about it and I was like, dude, there's no way that there was a bass that big dude. Like I didn't even know they even got that big. And then I saw the picture. I was like, Holy shit, dude. I'm like, and that's kind of what really ultimately started pushing me towards the bass was once I started seeing those fish being caught from my legs, I'm like, damn dude, what am I missing here? Right. Yeah. So you, you're kind of into the bass fishing thing. And then you said that's right around the time you uh, you joined Marine Corps, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in 2007, I enlisted, and then eight, uh, 2008 is when I actually went to boot camp and then um, got out in 2015, but contract ended in like 16 or 17 or something like that. Okay, yeah. So, so, so after you got back, 
or I guess, I guess, were you stationed at all in the U.S. or did you get deployed over there at all? No, so I was all stationed on this side, you know, and thank God. And I, I don't know how I'd feel about some of the PTSD stuff, you know, some of the, yeah. some of the stuff that these guys deal with. You know, I'm like, I don't know, but no, I, I was fortunate enough. I stayed stateside. Um, Kentucky was one of my stations. Um, San Diego, so I was out in Miramar for a little bit. Uh, and then I finished out up here in, in Yakima, Washington, um, which is like a detachment from an army base. But we ran tanks and stuff. I was a tank mechanic. Um, so those damn things are breaking down all the time. So we didn't even have time to fish, even if we wanted to back in Kentucky or here. <laughs> we were working all the time. But once I got out, that's when I really started going, OK, I want to get back into this. Yeah, looking back on it and now, like, like kind of being into swim baits and stuff, are you like, man, I wish I'd have got stationed in like Japan or, or somewhere over there by chance? Yeah, man, I've talked to my brother about it because he was stationed out in Japan. He was in uh, Iwakuni for a while. He was in Okin Okinawa for like Okinawa, three yeah. months. Yeah, and then he got uh, switched over to Iwakuni, and he was sending me pictures of like Lake Biwa, and I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, I was like, you have no idea what you're next to, man. Like. But yeah, no, I wish I could have gotten stationed and even some of like the, the, like even Texas, you know, like I would have loved to get stationed out in Texas yeah. somewhere, but with the tank units, they were pretty limited. Like North Carolina, I could have gone there. There's some good fishing over there. Right. Yeah. I've had, uh, two of my friends that were in the Marines, they were both, uh, different times they were stationed over in Okinawa. And the one was actually super big into swim bait fishing. And he would always uh, talk about going into the tackle shops and stuff. He's like, dude, it's just absolutely insane. And the other one yeah. wasn't too much into fishing, but I, I talked him into going to some tackle shops and sending me pictures and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, that's, that's so fucking crazy. Like kind of, kind of like how you were with your brother, like, dude, you have no idea like what you're looking at and what, what we're not able to get over here with what you're seeing right there. Three words, Lake Pro Tackle. Lake Pro Tackle has all the fishing equipment you need to have success on the water. Friends of the podcast will receive 15% off their order with code SCALES at checkout. On their website, you can find exclusive and rare baits, as well as rods and reels to have that dream combo. Check out their social media pages for constant updates with new arrivals. Lastly, orders over $50 get free fast shipping. Remember to use code SCALES, all cap locks, to save 15% off on your orders at lakeprotackle.com. A vast majority of double-digit bass caught in Mexico are caught out of two lakes, Lake Bacharach and Lake El Salto. Josh Daniels Pro Bass Adventures Mexico is the only outfitter in Mexico with lodges on both of these trophy lakes. For an experience like no other, call Pro Bass Adventures 480-491-9300 or probassadventures.com. We are Mexico Fishing. Dude, that's what I was saying. And like I have a buddy that's he's currently in right now and he was over in Korea for a little bit. It was the same thing, man. He was sending me pictures. And this was like 2 months ago. Mm -hmm. Sending me pictures of of depths 250s for like 75 bucks you know i'm like fuck man i was like you're just gonna end up having to put my card on a file and just start buying baits dude <laughs> yeah dude it, it's it's crazy like the world market and how much like not necessarily fluctuates but what it's like over there compared to over here how like you know they'd ship it from one island to the other and they're only you know 70 bucks which relative to to like the yen and in what it translates to usd obviously to us we're like holy shit that's cheap like with what we have right. it, like 120 to 160 dollars for a new one over here right yeah it's pretty fucking crazy man when he started sending me some pictures of the pricing i was like that's crazy and of course i started doing some research on the values of dollars and yen and uh it was just fucking crazy man 
makes you wish we had some kind of JDM market over here. You got like hookup, you know, he, he's got a lot of JDM stuff, but getting those deals though, you got to get over there to get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, exactly. Actually, uh, Jeffrey and Phoenix are, well, what time is it? Uh, 8.03 here. They're on their way there. They should only be like three hours out. And I gave, I gave Jeffrey a bunch of magazines to hand out to, uh, to a couple oh, tackle shit. shops and stuff out there. So that'll be super cool. I think. Hell yeah. That'd be fucking cool. Should be dope, man. But so you got out 2015, 2016 ish. Did you, um, I guess, did you miss fishing at all when, when you were away and, and you were in, uh, on base and stuff? Did you miss fishing or was it kind of like how you mentioned you were always working on the tanks and stuff that you really didn't have the free time to miss it, I guess? Uh, I did a little bit. And then, you know, I mean, once you kind of start stepping away for some, of course you miss it for X amount of time and then it kind of starts fading, but I've always missed it, but it was never like, uh, like, dude, I need to get out. So I go fish type deal. Um, I just loved the Marine Corps. I was so focused on fixing tanks. I was good at it. So I just, just hyper-focused on that, I'd say, and just kind of put the fishing on the back burner. But I knew once I was getting out, I really wanted to pick up another rod and start doing it again. So, so I missed it, but not in the sense where it was like it was an itch where like I needed to get going now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get out and is that, uh, was there any specific reason you decided to stay up there in Washington or did you go back home and decide to move back by chance? No, I just stayed up here. I, dude, I love the, the Pacific Northwest. Like the weather out here is awesome. You know, I find most of the people are awesome. Um, you know, fishing is great. You know, we got the steelhead and salmon runs all the time. Uh, we got mountains right there. We got lakes everywhere. So it was just an outdoors place for me. And I just, I stuck with it. Um, and then of course I met my wife and then we got married and then, uh, really just stuck out here. My son does live in Texas, uh, with his mom. So we've, we've thought about going out there and moving out there too, which we all know how the fishing is there. <laughs> But, yeah, we also know how the weather is out there compared to the PNW. Yeah, dude, and that's why we've been stuck here. We can't can't give it up just yet. But yeah, man, I can't I can't blame you there. I would take uh, weather weather permitting. I would take the PNW over Texas. I think, but you know, obviously yeah. from a fishing base, if that's all you wanted to do, you didn't care about you know getting sunburned every single day of the week <laughs> in the middle of winter. Then then Texas is probably the place for you. <laughs> Yeah, which I, honestly, man, I, I really don't mind the heat, you know, being born and raised in Vegas. The heat doesn't bother me. Um, it's when you get heat and humidity. So, like, you put me in Georgia or something, dude, I'm melting. Like, in Texas, or sorry, when I was in the Kentucky out there for, like, three months during the summer, it was miserable. I couldn't do that. But While working that, on tanks that are probably fucking hot, just got done running or blowing up or whatever. Dude, yeah, it's oh, God, hell. dude. Yeah, they were they were fucking hot. They were like, if it was like a hundred outside, it was easily 120 inside of those things. You're sitting in there for fucking four hours doing a, uh, some kind of uh, diagnostics run or test and then it fucking fails. And then you got to go back and do it again. So, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty tough time out for five minutes and say, Oh my gosh, I hate my life. Why'd I do this? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're like, Oh dude, I never thought a hundred degrees would feel so cold. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. That is yeah. wild, man. So yeah. you get out and you, you decide you want to stick around the P and W and stuff. Did you pick up fishing right away or was it kind of something that you eased your way back into? Or was it like, man, I've been out of it for so long, I'm just gonna dive head in and just buy everything I can? 
No, I kind of eased into it. So I found a couple buddies that that liked to fish. So I'd go out and use some of their gear and whatnot. And one of my buddies, Robert, he took me out on his little boat and and was kind of like, here's my, you know, here's a rod, here's a reel, here's some worms and whatnot, set me up. And uh, I was just like, you know what? I think it's time. So I asked if I could buy his rod. And then it just, from that point is when it snowballed. And that was like four and a half years, five years ago now. Um, and then it just started fucking snowballing. So, but no, there was like a, a three year ease into it. And then I just went fucking head deep, like head deep, head first into this. Yeah. That sounds about right. At that time, did, did he have any swim baits or anything that or anything that had kind of rekindled your interest and you're like, Oh shit. I remember seeing those when I was a kid and yet here they are again type thing. No, honestly, he, all he had was like some, uh, like the Mondo kits from, like those uh Guggen Squad kits and the, oh, yeah, yeah. the subscription packs you could get. So he had like a few of those and then I guess he had like like the Mike Buka, the little three and a half or three and uh, three quarter inch ones. Yep. So that was kind of like, oh yeah, dude, I remember the big ones and the big soft tails. And that's I was like, I wonder how, that's when I started doing some more research and looking into it. Um and that's when I started running across guys like Frank and Brent, uh, Steven, Daryl. And all those guys that are big bait throwers up here. Yeah, so. and and when you, I mean, when you looked it up and you started kind of doing your own research, did you do you remember like the first thing that popped up was it like a tactical bass and video or or some <laughs> like Bassmaster write up or something? Yeah, dude, it was it was it was tactical bass and and because I just typed in swim baits and of course they popped up and I looked into it and they were talking about like the huds and that's which is what I remember and then. I don't even remember glides and stuff back then. Um, but I also wasn't like head head deep or like balls deep into it. You know what I yeah. mean? So I didn't know about any of the glides or I just knew about the big soft baits. So when I started looking into it and found tactical bass and they were talking about glides, I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. And I was like, finally, you know, we got some innovation into the swim baits. And then I got on to uh, I went on to like the link for like tactical or for tackle warehouse. Went into the swim bait section was like, oh, my God. Like what the hell? <laughs> Everything was all new. They were huge, you know, like uh ten inch baits, you know. I was like, oh yeah. fuck yeah. Yeah, do you remember um so this was probably after you bought that rod from your buddy. Do you remember like looking for a bait that, that you could fish on that rod or like the smallest, you know, quote unquote swim bait that you could get away with at the time? Yeah, I did. And that's when I because like I say I started running across like guys like Frank and Daryl and um so it was the tk so i found that like figured out what the tk was and i was like okay it seems like everybody seems to like them frank's fucking killing them on it um you know daryl he goes out there and fucking crushes it on it so that's the first one i of course you can't just go on tackle warehouse and buy them so it took me a minute to find one but uh that was the one i was like dude i gotta get one of those so I think that was truly my first swim bait getting back into it was that. And then shortly after I bought a big ass rod and a depth 250. <laughs> right. Yeah. Do, do you remember? So I probably around the time you were getting into it, it was probably hard as fuck to find a TK. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I couldn't find one for, it took me about six months to actually come across one that wasn't like $180 for fucking TK, you know? Yeah, dude, that is that's fucking crazy. I remember I never got one because they were that expensive. And there was guys like uh 
Brandon Barnes, if you're familiar with him on Facebook, I mean, dude, there was a point in time he had like 50 TKs. Like that was his favorite bait, and he bought literally. If you saw a TK for sale, it was gone because Brandon had already commented on it and picked it he up. Snatched like, it. Dude, it was fucking insane. There was like, people would just like, people would see a TK come up for sale and tag them, and it'd be like, okay, it's gone. Like, Brandon yeah, guaranteed sale. That's yeah, fucking dude, it crazy. Was, it was, it was crazy. Um, do you remember what ride you bought? Was it just a rod off a of tackle warehouse? Uh, for my swim bait rod? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it was actually a flipping stick. Um, let's see. I want to say. I want to say it was actually like a six cents rod. Um, they just oh. had it on sale and it was like a six or a seven, four extra heavy. So I was like, ah, I can probably throw the, I can get away with a TK on that. And I can get away with some of the bigger soft baits, like the six and seven inch soft baits. Um, especially like the top hook styles, you know, I could pile drive those damn things with that rod, but right, I did have yeah. to be careful with the, the TK. That thing was just so stout. So it would just unload and I'd lose a lot of fish, but, but yeah, I, I, rem I think it was that one. I want to say it was that seven, four extra heavy six cents sensory, I think. Okay. Do you remember what reel you had at the time? Was it just some like, like, was it just something to get you by? No, I went with the Corrado's, the, the two hundreds. Um, and then I also had a Daiwa, uh, the, was it the Lexa? S no, it was the, it was like their 150 series. It was way too small for, for throwing bigger baits. But, uh, but that was the one I kind of started off with. And then I went to the Corrado 200s like the next week. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I kind of just, I really started with the, the Corrado 200s. Right. And when you first got the TK, I mean, did you just kind of watch what these, what these guys were doing around you and like, okay, this is how I need to fish it. Like, well, you know, Honestly, dude, the TK being your first bait, there's so many ways to fish that bait. It probably was uh, not necessarily frightening, but it was probably like overwhelming with with how many, you know, it's like opening up a Swiss Army knife. Like it can do so many things. It's like, shit, how do I decide what I want to try to catch these fish on? Because if I don't catch it this way, I've got six other cycles to to go through to try to figure it out. Figure it out. Right. And then on top of buying, you know, like transfer tails, different lips, the wide lips, short lips. I mean, there's, they're just such a versatile bait, which is why I wanted it. And it did kind of intimidate me at first. You know, I was like, fuck, dude, like, what do I even do? I just cast and retrieve because it didn't feel like that was doing anything. Right. It felt like I needed to put in, like, impart my own action in it. So that's when I figured out, you know, taking the lip out, flipping the tail upside down, um, which, not like I pick apart everybody's videos, but I do watch and I pick up a lot of tips and tricks that everybody's doing. You know, like Frank, Frank helped me out a lot. You know, he told me about different styles he likes. I've been fishing with him. He's shown me different tricks and stuff that he likes. Um, but, but yeah, at first I was like, dude, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, I was just casting and retrieving. Um, and then, like I said, once I figured out to flip every flip the tail and put that lit or take the lip out, man, it was, it was just game on. I started putting weights on it, trying different, you know, trying to get different actions out of it, dead twitches and whatnot. Yeah. And did you catch a lot of fish with it? You had mentioned that you probably lost quite a few fish, but did you, I mean, did you land a lot of fish and like, were you kind of surprised with how successful you were with this, you know, at the time, a big bait for you? Yeah, man. What blew me away was it wasn't even like just giant fish, dude. It didn't matter. Like I had one pounders crushing the side like just t-boning the shit out of it left and right and and i did i caught a lot of fish off of it um which sucks i ended up blowing it, it left it out in the heat and it blew up but um but i caught probably 30 40 fish 
but it took me, dude, it like six months or so to finally actually land a good one. Um, before I like really had the confidence and knowing like, okay, I know what I'm doing when I cast it out and I know what the bait's doing when it's, you know, 50, 60 yards from me. So that was the biggest learning curve was understanding what the bait's doing when I can't see it and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, did you, um, were you only fishing the TK as far as like, you know, conventional and stuff? Were you like, holy shit, like these fish are just murdering this bait. This is, this is all I should be fishing now. Or were you still kind of fishing conventional and worms and stuff like that? No. Yeah. I still stuck with conventional. And even to this day, I still, I'll throw conventional, you know, like I'm not biased against it. Um, I think there's times and place for everything, but I'm also not scared to throw a drop shot and try to pick up a couple one ounce fish. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 I understand but, but no, uh, I was throwing conventional alongside of it. You know, I would kind of pick up a big bait, you know, and throw that around if I had a follower and it wouldn't commit again to my bait. I'd try another big one or follow it up with a jig or, you know, I, I rarely throw worms, you know, I stick primarily like jigs, bigger conventional, I would say. Mm-hmm. But, and then also don't get me wrong. I, I fuck up some finesse too. Yeah, dude, but. drop shotting. I'm, I'm gonna be, I, I was on the phone with Marshall for about two hours yesterday. We were talking about like some G crack baits. Mm-hmm. Dude, I think that bellows gill, they make a two inch bellows gill on the back of a drop shot, dude. You could yeah. mess up some smallies on that thing. I was like, that's what I'm I saying, might, man. I might, I might have to snag myself some. I haven't, I haven't drop shot in a while, but we used to beat the living piss out of the fish on the pierheads on like, Man, I might have to rekindle this. I might have to buy myself a fairy wand. I don't own one at the time, but that can be arranged. Hey, just go with the BFS so you can keep it with a bait caster at least. Oh, dude, that, yeah. I don't know if you've ever done that, but that shit is fun. Dude, so my buddy actually uh, has a very successful BFS uh, bait company that he's been he's been building since like 2018, and he's gotten it. Uh, it he's he's gotten really popular with it. So that's that's super cool to watch, and it's. It's even starting to, um, you know, within the last two years, BFS is starting to make its way into the kind of, you know, I, I say make its way into the swim bait world, but I guess, I don't know, you have the Gancraft 70 uh, FOM, or yeah, FOM makes a handful of smaller bait, like really small yeah. fucking micro baits and stuff, and it's kind of yeah. it's kind of cool to see those two worlds clash together and see the byproduct of it. Yeah, I mean, even like the Depths, you know, Depths has a couple small ones, you know, like say Gancraft, you know, like, I mean, look at my bait, you know, my bait's by no means a giant bait, you know, it's, I compare it to like the size of a Kitek, you know, it's just a little bit taller in profile. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, dude, you've got, you've got the Gracely baits, you've got the throwback Gracely. woody, like there's so many baits that are, that are, you know, wood pat considering like, you know, five years ago, people would look at it and say it's a conventional bait, but you know, it's kind of, it kind of falls under the realm of, of being a swim bait and it's like. Dude, it's hard to when you pick one of those baits up, dude. It's hard to put one of those baits down because you're just catching fish all the time, and it's like, man, this is like fishing a jig. Like I'm catching a hundred fish a day, but I'm I might not be, you know, targeting the big fish that I would be with like a 10, 11 inch glide bait. Yeah, yeah, but your chance is still there too, right? So yeah, like, exactly. And that's what I've found fun with with these smaller swim baits. You know, like the finesse swim baits, whatever you want to call them. You know, you got the guys that are like, you know, six inch or bigger is a swim bait, and everything else underneath is conventional, which. To each their own, but the these smaller swim baits are just getting crushed. You know, I mean, look what look what Gracely Bates is doing with his. You know, Kyle's killing it with those. You know, I'm nowhere in comparison to him, but you know, my bait's been doing pretty dang good too. And uh, even I've seen 
you see guys catching stuff on the the small depths all the time too. So. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of that. Uh, like, there's like I said, there's a, just a new wave to it that was not yeah. here, you know, a handful of years ago. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, um, absolutely. Which is kind of why I stepped with mine, and it's mainly tailored towards like Pacific Northwest. A lot of our gills and pumpkin seeds, rock bass, you know, they're big main forage. So, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so you you get into get the TK and you're you're catching a lot of fish and stuff. Was that all within the first year of of getting the TK and getting your rod and kind of getting into it? Yeah, I would say probably the first year and a half. Like I said, it took me about like six months to really kind of like dial everything in and figure out what the hell I was even doing other than just casting and retrieving. Um, so yeah, I'd say like a year, year to year and a half is about what it took. And then that's when I started branching out into different glides, you know, like, and I would still stick to like, you know, like bait sanity, depths, stuff I could just buy because I wasn't ready to start getting into the resin stuff paying you know 200 bucks 150 bucks a bait um though i did that with the depths i guess but but like the bait sanities you know you can pick those up for 70 bucks yeah um, so and they were same thing gill profile which is i, I love up here for the pacific northwest so mm-hmm. um yeah, was, so of course we got trout eaters too but yeah was this before or like right around covid that you got into swim bait fishing yeah actually um it was mainly just because i had time right i think everybody did and we all just started you know searching around and coming across different baits that we thought were cool um in fact that's around the same time i started stumbling across uh uniques um and started throwing a lot of unique stuff around and having like just huge success with those um that was 2020 and 2021 Um, we actually won a derby throwing just straight straight swim baits the whole time for like three fish 15.8 pounds for smallmouth. we were throwing yeah. back four and a half pounders like it was they just wouldn't help us so yeah it was it was fucking nuts man but um uh, but yeah it was right around 2020 2021 uh, when i really started just going balls deep into the, the swim baits yeah did it kind of feel like that 2020 2021 you went full circle when you, when you found unique and you're like oh shit like these are these are like kind of the soft baits that i remember seeing but this is like on a different parallel like it's not a trout imitator you know he gene over there he makes the he makes the buffalo carp he makes the perch he makes yep. the gill he makes the g2 trout the scout i mean he makes yeah he makes a handful of all of these and was it kind of like oh shit like like you talked about the innovation you had seen within that you know 10 year yeah. span but now you were looking at it as as the soft baits that you originally seeing and kind of what they were like today was that kind of cool for you to see yeah man that's exactly what happened as soon as i came across those and of course you know fishing up here with you know trout eaters and gill eaters i came across his gills and he did a drop and i'm like ah, i'm gonna try a couple so i bought them i was like dude this is exactly what the fuck i needed you know like yeah. this is what i remember this is yeah so that's that was pretty much jeans his unique baits were were the first soft baits that um i started getting into uh, and then I started stepping into like the G2s, it's his bigger eight inch G, um, G trout. Like, yeah, man, it was, it was weird to see at first, but then it obviously it's all normal now, but yeah, right. that guy. And when I started talking to him too, that guy's out, he's from up here. He's uh, Olympia area, I think like right by our capital. Oh, so, dude, that's so sick. Yeah. So a lot of his baits, I don't want to say they're tailored to the pacific northwest but i mean every single one of them match 
almost every one of our forages up here. So that's so badass, dude. That little gill he has, that thing is so <laughs> wicked. I I had a couple, um, probably about twenty. 2020 maybe 2019 i, I don't, can't remember i can't put a year to it because it seems like so long ago but i had a couple of his gills with like uh trocar hooks on them dude i yeah. remember just absolutely lambasting fish with that thing like i remember it yeah. was it was post spawn and i remember just bombing it out there just reeling it along some like kind of some uh it was kind of like some jagged rock you know random random rock points and just rolling it onto sand, you could feel it hit sand, then you could kind of pop it like a jig, feel it kind of hit some rock, and then I'd speed it up a little bit. And I just remember just always feeling just a boom, and I'm just real down, yeah. the hook, dude. It was such a blast. And then I think I had a pike take the baits, or maybe I broke off on a bass, I can't remember. And then I just have not bought any since then. I'm like, I just, I, for whatever reason, and whenever somebody talks about it, I feel very nostalgic. So I'm like, man, I feel like I'm Uncle Rico in it here talking about how, how great of a bait it was, but yet I haven't bought any since then. Right. Yeah. No, I bought, dude, that, so that's the year that we, we won that tournament throwing them that 15, eight for three smallies. Um, it was on those gills and it was, dude, it's exactly that. You're just reeling along, you know, I would just reel it and give it a slight pop. And then, yeah, like you say, you just, they just crush it and you got to reel down. Cause a lot of times, man, they'd hit it so hard. Um, they would knock like two foot or three foot of slack into it, you know, but yeah, yeah those baits, those wicked. baits just flat out get fucking bit. You know, I don't care what time of year I was throwing those in, in January and getting bit. Same thing with his perch. I was throwing his perch in January and just getting crushed on it. Yeah, dude, he, it's crazy to see, you know, he was popular then. It was kind of hard to get on his drops, but now, dude, he's got like, I think like 15 or 16,000 followers on Instagram. Like, it's just absolutely crazy to see how far, yeah. how, how, like how much he's blossomed. Yeah, dude. One, well, and the amount of baits he can still produce too is, is mind blowing, dude. And like, I don't know. The guy's doing something right down there, man. He's, he's got some killer baits. I'll never stop buying them, dude. I'll keep buying those till he stops making them. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, hearing you, you said it was the gill that you were catching all these smallmouth on. Yeah. The gill and the perch were the main two that I was crushing them on. Dude, I might yeah. have to, I might have to buy some and, and fish them like on a jig head or like a free rig or something out on Lake St. Clair this spring. Cause I feel like that'd be so much fun. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Um, in fact, I want to actually get back. I got a buddy that lives in Tennessee and, uh, I want to bring a bunch of, uh, all the big baits that I use out here and bring them back there and see if I can't get out there and stick some big smallies, especially if I can get out there towards St. Clair. Yeah, man, we, we were hammering smallmouth this year on dark sleepers. And, and mm. I've just been like, I've been thinking for the past like eight months since, since we got back from the trip, it's not too far away, but I just remember sitting out there and I was trying to drag a citizen. I'm like, man, this is just a little too big. I can't get it down there fast enough. And there's a handful of baits that I've kind of, added to this little arsenal inside my noggin on what I want to buy before I go back out there next spring just because I'm like I know we we almost we almost had 28 pounds for our best five out there and I'm like you know Shit. there's dude we caught a seven pound largemouth out on Lake St. Clair craziest thing ever but I'm like uh, you know I I really think that you could put together a 28 pound bag of smallmouth out there uh, oh a yeah a couple times throughout the spring on on like on swim baits you know nothing too big probably like the real prey the unique and there's a handful of other baits that i've had in my head that i'm just like i need to buy these so i can just go i can go try it and if it works it works but if not i can just get it out of my head and stop thinking about it <laughs> yeah yeah no that, and that's how i get to it honestly 
a lot of these bigger baits, man. It's like, all right, I see everybody with their success. Like, not that I want to copy everybody, but man, if they're if they're killing it, man, there's got to be something to it. So I'll try it at least until I figure out it either fails for me or it works for me, and then I go with it. Yeah, but. dude. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so let's let's kind of talk about that tournament that you you've touched on a couple times. So you guys had. Yeah over 15 pounds for your best three that day yeah dude it was kind of a crazy deal so we went out there uh let's see a week maybe a week and a half before the tournament did some pre-fishing and we were throwing the uniques we were throwing the the gills and we were just crushing them left and right but they were like two and a half to three pound fish which three fish and you know three pounds nine pounds for a weigh-in you know that's probably good enough for a top three so going into the tournament, we're like, we're going straight to that spot. We're going to throw these big baits and see what we can produce. Well, we didn't get shit, man. Like the first probably 30 to 45 minutes was a fucking grind and not a single bite. Like we ended up dropping down to finesse. We didn't get anything there. So we just started kind of working different spots, doing like milk runs, different areas. And we came up onto this point that, you know, we knew for sure was was fish loaded we just wouldn't if they were set up right how they were positioned or whatever so we made a couple bomb casts um, and i threw the gill and i gave it probably 15 to 20 seconds let it fall and it probably hit about that 15 foot range and uh i just started slowly winding it back and i felt a. it wasn't even a big tick you know it was it almost felt like it hit off a rock but i knew i was mid column so I just swung for the fences, fuck it, hook sets are free. And uh, my rod just, fold, just folded in half. I'm like, oh, fuck. I was like, Cody, yep, time to get the net. So we get that one netted, and we didn't even have time to like sit there and weigh it because as soon as he got it in the boat, um, we basically started casting again. We threw it. We didn't even know how much it weighed. We just threw it in the live well, and we just kept fishing. And we caught another four, 414 and a 413 basically back to back right there and then like another three pounder and then the rest of the day we were catching threes and fours and just throwing them back uh, but every single one of mine was on a, a unique i don't think i actually caught a single fish that day that wasn't on that that gill damn that's fucking sick yeah and it was yeah it was fucking nuts dude because when we came back in it was so our big fish too which was uh what held for the tournament was six two so and we caught when we weighed it on our scale when we finally got a chance to you know break out the scales and weigh these things we uh we put it on the scale and it was six one like fuck it dude it's still a six pounder like it's a fucking great fish well we get back to weigh-ins and they started weighing ours and it went six two i'm like fuck fuck yeah dude i'll take it (laughs) that's what it wants to go that's crazy were you hopping it like a jig or were you just kind of were you just dragging it along like rock piles and stuff no we were actually so i don't know if the fish were i think that's why we didn't get anything on the first time i think the fish were suspended and we were trying to drag bottom or stay on top right so of course we tried top water first thing in the morning uh and then we switched and went straight to the bottom to drag jigs drop shot and you know probably even some of the the bigger soft plastics but uh no when we got to that point um i decided to just let it sink and and roll it slow roll it through mid column and they were coming up off the bottom i think or or like i say they were suspended so but everything mid column rolls 
were you expecting to catch them on swim baits, whether it be top water or dragon bottom, or, or were you guys just kind of dragging these softies because that's what you had tied on and that's what you were thinking they might be keying in on? Well, since we pre-fished and we were catching, you know, like I say, those two and threes, we were like, we had the mindset of like, okay, big baits are going to be it. But once we got to our first spot, dude, and like not a single bite and nothing, we were like, fuck, dude, maybe the big baits aren't the thing. So like I said, when we got to that spot, I said, fuck it, I'll just throw the the unique out there and see if, see if I can't get a follower, see if I can't see something, something, you know, I was just hoping for something was really all I was doing. Um... And then, like I said, once I set hook on that one, it was just a fucking 30 minute lights out fish after fish after fish. So but there's a creek that runs in right there. So it was just nothing but fresh water being flushed in at that time. And uh, it was just on that lake. It was probably spawn post spawn kind of transition. But I think the fish that we were catching were off of beds. They were just out deep and we were just making far enough casts that they were willing to commit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that is, um, your best day of swim bait fishing you've had? Yeah, no, hands down. Yeah. Cause if we would have weighed in five fish, like a, a five fish derby, we would have had close to 30 pounds, you know, 29 pounds, 28 pounds, something like that. So, yeah. and that was, like I say, all on swim baits. Um, we didn't even have to bust out glides or any of that. Dude. They were just chewing those gills. That's freaking wild. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. did that, how long, you said that was 21, 2021? Yeah, I think that was 2021. And that was like a March, March or April tournament. Did that, uh, did that spoil you for that, re- for the rest of that year? Yeah, dude, it kind of, uh, it, it did and it didn't. What it did is it gave me sh- like a, just a fucking shit ton of confidence and throwing big baits. So I didn't even care if I went out and got skunk because I knew the baits were going to work. I just needed to make sure I was at the right spot. Um, but what it did do is like, as far as like killing my confidence at the same time was I was catching big ass fish and then the, I'd go out in days and I wasn't. It's like, fuck dude, what did I, what was I doing then that I'm not doing now? Or am I mm-hmm. doing the same thing and they're just not set up right? So, so yeah, no, it, it kind of, it kind of helped me out because it allowed me to just keep the damn things in my hand because I knew they do work, but it also kind of killed it because it was like, fuck, dude, how can I repeat that again? Isn't it great when you start blaming the fish that they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing? Like, <laughs> Hell damn, yeah. These fish did not set up like this two weeks ago. What are they doing? Dude, you only, I only blame the fish. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> or my oh, rod and reel. That's, that's another, my knots, you know? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's never me, dude. It's never oh. me. So after that tournament, what, uh, what did the rest of that season kind of shape up for you and going into the 2022 season? Because do you fish in the wintertime? I know that you guys have the ability to, but it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty hardcore. Did you fish through, through that summer and into winter and into kind of that late winter, early spring of 2022? Yeah. So we, we winter fished, we winter fish every year. You know, it's, we don't get frozen lakes. Um, you know, like you guys do back there. So like really, and you might get some, you know, there's some that do kind of form some, uh, you got to break through it. But for the most part, you can fish most of our lakes year round. So yeah, I go out there and just suck it up. You know, you're out there, brutal conditions, your hands are numb, they fucking hurt. You know, it's, it's ultimately not all that fun, but I guess when you get the bite, it's pretty fun. It's probably just the addiction, you know, trying to just right, get the yeah, fuck like- out there, and scratch the itch, you know? 
yeah, like, oh my gosh, dude, like, I, I've been out there five times, like, the sixth time I gotta catch a damn fish, like, I have to. Yeah, yeah, man, so, and I went, dude, three to four winters straight, dude, straight skunked, like, not a fucking perch, trout, nothing, you know, so I was super discouraged, uh, even fishing, like, even 2022, um and 2023 even i was like dude i just don't let's just go for steelhead man like fuck the bass we'll we'll deal with those come springtime but you know let's go if we're gonna suffer at least we know we're gonna catch some some salmon out there on the rivers or something but yeah. we we said fuck it and we went for it again this is actually the 2023 or 2022 to 2023 winter was actually our best year uh for winter fishing by far Right. Was, was, did you have any crazy tournament wins or anything in 2022 in the spring and summer of 22? No. Uh, I mean, we had a, we had a couple wins, um, but there was nothing like, they were all pretty close, I would say. Um, but no, my 2022 season, I spent a lot of time like learning, trying to figure out how competition works, how to, you know, like, when do I want to go for my kickers? When do I want to, you know, go for this school or do I want to start here? Mm-hmm. So that's really what I used my 2022 season for. Um, and then this year I was planning on, you know, going kind of big with the tournaments and uh, the big baits and just going for it, but uh, blew my shoulder out the end of last year. So kind of put a damper on that. Yeah, that'll that'll do it for sure. <laughs> that'll, that'll screw over <laughs> yeah. plans. Yeah, man. But ultimately it led to good things. So which is why the bait is here. So there is that. Yeah. Yeah, Well, kind of, so, uh, so you blew your shoulder out and in that required for you to get surgery, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a labrum tear. Um, so I'm a UPS driver. Um, so I'm slinging cardboard boxes at front doors, but during the peak season, you know, like Christmas time, um, we have to rent U-Haul sometimes and, you know, it is what it is. You get stuck on a route and you just got to deliver out of U-Haul, but they don't have shelves. They don't have like organization racks or any of that shit in yeah, there. So yeah. it's kind of, you hit one bump, dude, and one turn and it's a fucking cluster back there of boxes. So you end up, and I went out with like 250 something deliveries and like 500 and some odd packages. So I like trying to find all that shit back there mm-hmm. and it's it's winter time so there's ice everywhere there's snow you know it was, it was fucking miserable but um but yeah i ended up tearing the shoulder it put me out um i had uh it wasn't the ultimate i can't remember bicep tendinesis is what they call it where they actually remove your bicep dude and re- reconnect it down below Ooh. they were yeah at first they were like yeah you know that's kind of our plan so um you know, it's going to be the X amount of time for recovery. I was like, God damn it, dude. Like this fucking sucks. So I knew my whole 2023 season was done. Um, but then once we got into it and actually started doing some like imaging on it, they're like, Oh, this is actually fairly minor. It still sucks because, uh, your bicep could disconnect, but you know, we'll, we'll just reconnect it. You'll be fine. It's <laughs> <was> like, fuck, <laughs> fuck. All right, man. So so it ultimately wasn't bad, but we're still dealing with some problems and going for it. But it gave me, because I've been off since January from it too. So that's why February, I was like, fuck it. Let's start making some baits. I got time. Right. Yeah. 
Damn, dude. So are you able to, to like fish at all or is it all just, you know, limited mobility, not above your head, no, no heavier than a milk jug type thing? Yeah. So I got restrictions like, and right now it's not so bad. So the, the surgery was back in June, June 21st. So now it's, you know, I can still fish. I can do, um, I can't throw like, like the depths 250. Like you can get me four or five casts and I'm done. I just don't want to keep bothering and inflaming the shoulder but yeah yeah no, I, can, I can still fish um if it does start getting sore i just pick up some drop shot or something but but yeah no it, it did kill the fishing for like three months for me i just couldn't do anything like especially when the surgery came i actually had my son out there he's a 11 um i had him out there when i was doing test runs for my glide he was out there you know working the glide for me and trying to figure out how to retune these things but uh but yeah it fucking sucked man but damn but so, so yeah was, but we're on a good path now right was that kind of the reason you and and probably i mean so you talked about the forge and how how it's gills and stuff like that how, mm -hmm. how like the smaller gill profiles and stuff work really well did was it kind of that mixed with you wanted to be able to fish your own bait that you went with a smaller smaller style uh, profile or was it strictly just because that's kind of what the forge is around you? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think it was yeah, a lot of the forge that we because I like fishing the gill baits. Um, toxic was I had toxic baits. Um, let's see what else did I have that was oh the bait sanity one. Um, so I just like the gill profiles um and then you know you see guys like the gracely baits and all these other gill profiles i'm like man dude those are just awesome but ultimately what led it to it i think was yeah the the type of forage that's here we have rock bass gills and sunfish galore um and i think the other thing too was the confidence and the size of bait that i wanted to build starting off yeah yeah and i mean so you will kind of get into the, the bait building side of things um so you did it you said you started in february is when you kind of started carving or thought about starting yeah yeah february 2nd is when i put uh put wood chips on the floor started carving everything did you have any prior experience like did you have a shop class in high school or or you know whittle on sticks or anything when you were younger or was it literally just you know mm -hmm. um probably you know guys always talk about buying a block off of amazon and buying a box cutter or or whatever set of carving tools and just kind of go to town is that what it was for you yeah, so I had some background in machining. So I did aerospace machining for like 12 years and always did like the really tight tolerance side of stuff. So, and I was always artistic. So when I started carving it or started, you know, drawing up the shape, I actually drew it up on the computer and then printed it out on a piece of paper and then stuck it on the, the piece of wood. But yeah, I went to like Hobby Lobby or something, just grabbed like basswood or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, it was like super soft and porous. It was actually terrible to to work with, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but no, yeah, I, d I didn't have any like prior experience as far as like wood or shop or anything like that. And like I said, I was I'm a machinist and I like attention to detail, but, um, nothing on the building side of things. I just kind of yeah, went I, with it. Right. And did you, um, I guess when, when I, uh, I've talked about it a little bit before I used to carve like pike, pike spearing decoys. And I would have, uh, I would have the jig that goes to the bandsaw and it kind of be like that general block shape. And then I draw it all out. I, I draw my center line, kind of carve from there, go from there, uh, kind of draw out where stuff needed to be facial features and stuff. Did, yeah. 
something that you did or was it legitimately like here's a block of wood this is kind of the end shape i want to go for i'm just gonna start fucking carving yeah dude that's exactly what happened and like i didn't even have like a bandsaw to like cut out the actual shape so i went to like harbor freight and just bought a um like a belt sander with like the disc sanding thing on the Mm -hmm. side and i just fucking went to town like i said luckily it was basswood so it was super soft and it just it was like working with butter but uh once i started carving it and shaping it i didn't know what the fuck i was doing man i didn't even know i watched some like of course you like watch like marlene you can watch there's all these youtube videos nowadays you can just pull Mm -hmm. that stuff up and look and figure out how how to do it but and that's kind of what i did but i just kind of went with it i knew i could probably make something work but i didn't know what the fuck i was doing to be honest right yeah yeah um Oh, sure. What was I gonna say? Yeah, that that basswood is um, it's kind of like balsa wood. How you go to take a chunk out and you take off half the piece of wood, and you're like, oh, yeah, son of a bitch, dude. Yeah, that whole fucking age line gap just gets t- chunked out, man. It's yeah, it's terrible stuff to work with. <laughs> That's like when when anybody asks me for you know opinions on wood, what did I start off with? I'm like, well, don't use what I started with, but if you want to use like poplar or something, that's the way to go. Because uh, that basswood or even balsa is fucking horrible to work with. Hard to carve. Fucking absolutely brutal. Did was it? Did it only take you one piece of wood to get uh, get to the bait where you wanted it to be? Or did it take a handful of trial and errors and, and going back to Hobby Lobby and getting different pieces of wood? Yeah, uh, I think I did two. Uh, I, th- I think I fucked up the first one and it went like way too thin. Um. And then the second one was was the final. That one ended up being the master. And from that bait forward, there was no there was no hinge place uh, placement adjustment. There was no um, like as far as like the gaps in my hinges, the shape of my where the the joint was actually at, pin placement. None of everything, honest to God, stayed the same. Besides the lip, that's the only thing that changed like five or six times. Mm. It um so I actually saw this uh the other day I think it was Gus from uh from Swimbait Culture GT Swimbaits he yeah he kind of he carved the general shape he wanted and then he poured poured his mold and then he used that mold to uh so he always had you know general shape and then he from what I know I think he went through and kind of carved the face and details and stuff did you do that or did you strictly just do everything on wood. Um, so I made small adjustments to, to solid resin, um, you know, cause you got like, once you actually make the bait with micro blooms and weights and whatnot, um, they're a little bit softer. So I like to just use for, if I'm going to do any adjustments and remold, yeah, I just do them out of straight resin. Uh, and then, yeah, I just do slight adjustments. And I think I only did that once, um, just around like my lip area. And I think that was it. But yeah, I do the same thing. I just make a master out of the resin and then use that one going forward. Yeah, but yeah, yeah I pour, that, pour my own molds and all that too. Yeah, that's probably how I would go about it too, I think. That just makes the most sense to me. And I'm, I'm scared that I'm going to mess stuff up all the time. So if I can have a fail-safe or fail-proof plan, that's what I'm going to try to set myself up for success that way. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I don't have the skills like, you know, like monster bait development. Like that dude behind a carving knife and some wood is yeah. fucking insane. Like I would never be able to repeat stuff like that guy can. So for me, mastering one out of a piece of resin, dude, that's the way to go. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't carve up another one probably. I probably actually probably could right now, 
but it's so much easier to just resin one out and modify that one. Yeah. How long did it take you? So you said you didn't have, um, didn't have any power tools when you first started, which I know is a, a key part to cutting <laughs> lips and bills and stuff. <laughs> how, uh, how long did it take you to figure out the bills, like the angle and the size of the bill to achieve what you were looking for? Cause did you originally want a wake bait or did you want to crank crank down or was it kind of best of both worlds? Like you'd figure it out for each one. Yeah. I wanted originally a deep diver. Uh, that's originally what I started off with. So I actually have a, a CNC laser in my garage. Uh, so it's like a three foot by two foot cut table. Uh, it's pretty, it's more of an industrial size one. You know, it's not like your hobby, great desktop glow yeah, forge. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty fortunate. I can just throw a piece of acrylic in there. And that's what I was okay. using at first with sampling with, with acrylic and cutting out random lips, say shapes, you know, round, like, uh, like legal dope, like his are, you know, round, um, you know, I've tried squared, I've tried holes and I've tried so many different ones, Off but I had the, yeah, but it's so much nicer having a laser. I could just, it takes me 30 seconds to program one up, cut one out and throw it in the, the bait and off I went. But yeah, yeah. That would also, you know, save yourself some, some oh, me that would save myself from freaking out. Like, Oh my gosh, dude, like none of these fucking lips are the same. They all swim differently. How the hell am I supposed to sell these? Yeah, well, now it was a big concern at first, you know, because cutting polycarbonate on with a laser is not like cutting acrylic. Acrylic, it leaves a nice, beautiful, like mm -hmm. polished edge. Well, uh, polycarbonate burns, it leaves this nasty, scorched edge. So mm -hmm. I'd have to go through and hand sand each one of them. Well, sometimes it would change the angle. And I'm like, fuck, dude, this one wants to run right. This one wants to run left. I'm like, man, this is, I don't know what to do. So, um, I ended up figuring out a better process to get those those dialed in and then i was like no what fuck this i'm just going to volk i was like that dude he he puts together some good shit so we're going to him and he's gonna be my lip guy <laughs> but yeah, it took dude, me it, awesome. it took me probably 10 to 15 different angles dude until I, I finally got it figured out mm. um that was the worst part because having a bait that you want to like do exactly what you want like i wanted the bait to run three foot to four foot and like that was it i didn't want it to keep going like a crankbait and hit bottom and then peek out and then you know come back up i kind of wanted it to just run at three foot the whole way so trying to find that balance was pretty tough yeah so talking about the lip the now kind of gonna touch on the most challenging part from from what i know and what i've heard of the whole bait building process if you had to guess, how much resin do you think you more or less just poured down the drain while you were trying to find your your resin recipe? Oh, gallons. Um, I would probably say for the for the wake, it wasn't so bad. The wake was pretty easy, so I'd probably yep. say like half gallon or to a gallon for for the wakes, like the gills. But my my perch, fuck, dude, I've probably gone through two gallons easily on that before i i got it figured out damn and and so for for people who aren't familiar um you when when you're making a bait you have to figure out like if you're making a diving bait or whatever you have to figure out your buoyancy which is like your resin to micro balloons which mm -hmm. um to what my knowledge is micro balloons are just small shards of glass that that affect the buoyancy of the bait so you kind of have to figure out you know you want four parts of resin to one part uh 
Micro mm-hmm. balloons in the front half and and switch vice versa or whatever to the back. So it's essentially you're just making up all these equations in your head and hopefully you know with with any luck you're writing it down so you don't stumble <laughs> upon it and you're like oh my gosh I don't remember what the fuck I poured on this bait because that is a horror story I've heard many times from many builders and I'm just like oh, oh man it makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, man. It, so where my my glide is at now, the the version that was before it. Um, that's exactly what happened, dude. I was like, I don't know if I fucked up on my mixture, um, as far as like not like my balloon to resin ri- uh, ri- mix ratio, but that fucking thing turned out so good, perfect. The buoyancy was perfect. The weights were perfect, and uh, I had none of the formula written down, dude. Like, it was a fucking heartbreak. But that's that's nightmare fuel right there. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and it almost—it's like it was like discouraging. I was like, man, fuck this, because at that point, man, it was like seven months in trying to trying to figure out what you know ratio I wanted to weight, where the placement of the weights were, uh, the joint, you know, like do I want the tail shorter? Do I need it longer for more drag? You know, like so. Yeah, it was it was a fucking nightmare, man. And then luckily, I kind of got close on this last one, um, and then I f- slowly fine tuned it. I think close to what i had it before so but they swim great now so i'm not worried that's <laughs> oh, <laughs> so fucking funny that's so funny. yeah um, yeah it was oh go ahead you're I, good i was gonna say yeah it was just a fucking well one i actually i i went on like a two-week break i set it down and i was talking to my buddy ian um you probably see he catches shit ton of fish on my gills but uh, I was talking with him about it. He's like, bro, just set it down. He's like, just focus on gills. Go blank out some gills and fuck the perch for a little while and just come back to it, you know? And that's what I, I had to, dude. I was I was starting to lose my goddamn mind on that thing. <laughs> dude, I believe it. Dude, I believe it. That's fucking hilarious. Um, mm. So when when you figured out the bait, uh, so was the first one that you, you figured out the bill and stuff, was it the wake or did you figure out your crank down first? Yeah, I figured out the crank first, and uh, it was kind of on accident. So it was it was supposed to be a wake. I'm like, oh, dude, this looks like a perfect angle, and I took it out, and it instantly dove to like that three to four foot that I was wanting, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, I went back home, poured up another one, took it out, did the same thing, tried a different like mix ratio, uh, just like a high high float style, mm-hmm. did the same thing. So I was like, oh, okay, sweet. Um, so no, the the Frank came out first, and then I slowly dialed the the lip back for the wake. Heck yeah, dude! And <clears throat> excuse me, oh man, I got a tickle in my throat. Do you remember when you were testing them? Like, did you go out with the crank, and did you go out and catch a fish? And we were like, holy shit! Like the first fish I ever caught on my own bait. Like this is a crazy feeling. So I actually I put up a little bit. So I'm part of Washington Tiny Boat Nation. Yeah, and all the guys in our group. I'm like, hey, look, you know. Cause they, they kind of help support me and get me up to, um, at least to a level where I could kind of start self-sustaining and, and kind of got my name out there a little bit to where I could actually mm-hmm. sell a couple baits and buy some materials and whatnot. And post pictures of other people's fish and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I, I made it, I told everybody cause in February, um, you know, trying to throw the wake and the, the crank down even was kind of tough to even get a bite. You know, you'd probably get a follower here and there, but they just weren't <laughs> committing. Well, it was like mid-March, um, I went out with my buddy and I was throwing the bait and I hooked into a freaking giant, dude, 
fucking thing had to have been seven seven pounds you know you know the the northern strains are man they're just built different you know yeah so when it came up and slosh and, and kicked the bait i was i didn't even give a shit if i landed the fish or not you know i was just stoked that a fish actually bit my bait well i get a message from my buddy and he just caught a, he caught the first fish on it I'm like fuck man like i was like one day too short or too too late you know but the uh <laughs> the it was like 30 minutes later i ended up getting one it was like two and a half pounds or something and uh but dude i was on cloud nine <laughs> fucking so stoked you go from not having a bait to using it to catch a fish you know it's it was kind of mind-blowing for me at the time that's so awesome man that's uh, do you remember the first so you caught the fish do you remember the first time somebody else caught on your bait yeah yeah no uh ian was the first and then uh one of our other guys up here javier he uh, he caught the first smallie on it so yeah i remember when both of them sent me those messages uh ian the first one that i got i just remember as soon as the picture came through i was like fuck yeah dude and it was big it was like four almost five pounds so yeah dude i was, I was so goddamn stoked and then uh <laughs> Of course, me being a smallie guy, uh, I built the bait kind of tailored. I wanted to throw it for smallies a lot. Mm -hmm. So I spent, dude, three, four months trying to target smallies with them, dude. And I couldn't couldn't get one to land. And uh, again, Javier, he came through and was like, yep, caught the first one. I was like, fuck, man. Like, it's cool. <laughs> I'm fucking stoked, dude. But God damn it. <laughs> oh, but. man, that's funny. Do you think, did you get a different or better feeling when somebody else caught a fish on your bait or was it, oh, did it feel cooler to catch one on your own bait? No, no dude. It's like when I catch fish on my bait, it, it's cool. Like I, I still get excited, but no dude, seeing other people catch fish on my bait is by far better. You know, like I'll sell a bait to, you know, like a guy out in uh, like Maine, you know, and he sends me a, a picture of a fish from Maine. I'm like, dude, Fuck yeah. <laughs> like I caught one today too, but I ain't got shit on that one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Dude, that's so awesome. What, yeah, uh, not... what do you think your most memorable fish is scrolling through your page? I see you caught a tiger muskie on one of your baits. Is that, is that like to me, just because the elusiveness, elusiveness of a tiger muskie, that'd probably be one that, that would stick out to me personally. Is, is that like your most memorable fish on your bait? Yeah, man. And my son was with me for that one. Um, it ended up being kind of a funny catch. So, course we're we're just fishing for bass smallies and i'd thrown it up by this bridge and i'm you know just reeling it back and i saw something flash behind it and i just killed the bait and then ripped it and uh, i just saw like the big build nose come up to it yeah and uh and it stalked it for like i don't know a foot and a half two feet and i just kept twitching it and like dead walking it and then finally i just gave it one little pull and it finally just lashed out and, and grabbed it but uh i didn't have a net i didn't have one even big enough dude oh, like shit. i was like how the fuck do i even get this thing in it was like uh, you probably saw it's like three it was like a three footer yeah yeah um, yeah so i was like i was like landing i was like oh uh, dude i don't know i don't know how to get. so i tried boat flipping it oh my that god did, that didn't fucking work i'm like dude i don't even know what to do right now and like because i never really handled them much more before you know mm -hmm. So, but I just reached down there and ended up gilling it and getting it out. But yeah, that was, that was like 45 seconds of mayhem, man. 
Dude, that's so fucking wicked. That's so yeah. awesome. Yeah, and it, it was such a pretty one too, man. Like a lot of times they get once they start getting bigger, they kind of start fading out a little bit. Yeah. Dude, this one had like deep stripes down it and just fucking blues and greens and just iridescent yeah, colors beautiful. in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome, man. Um kind of kind of put give us a walk through on how to how to fish your wake bait and then how to fish your crank down like what are the ways that you have success with with your with those two styles and then maybe if if somebody else has had success and you're like oh shit like i don't fish the bait like that what are kind of kind of let us know how how oh my gosh here we go fucking brains net sketch here get a get a sentence together kind of walk <laughs> us through like the ways that guys have been catching fish on them and the way you fish them yeah yeah uh so it's one of those baits, man, like I'll get asked that question and I'll just tell people, honestly, cast retrieve. Um, I've gotten more bites on just straight retrieves than probably any, but burning it. So like the wake bait, uh, I guess we'll start there. So the wake bait, walking it, you know, of course, that's always a great one. The one that probably gets bit the most um, other than just straight retrieve is you just burn it and then pause just burn pause burn pause um and then every now and then i'll throw like a walk at the pause mm -hmm. um, and that'll trigger something too uh but that's pretty much the only ways where i really fish them um straight retrieve walk and then burn pause with the walk in between for the wake bait and then for the crank down i'll straight burn that son of a bitch i mean like i'm deep crank burning you know like i have a seven to one reel that i'll throw it with and i'll i'll wind it as fast as i can pause wine pause um a lot of times they they'll chase it they'll let it hit like wherever it's going to max out at that three or four and then as soon as it starts going up they want to pin it next to the boat so mm -hmm. i would say probably out of 100 fish 30 of them to 40 of them are going to try to pin it against the boat Damn, so and they, and they don't give a shit whether you're there the trolling motor's on i had uh uh I don't know what size small he was. Probably looked like a four pounder to me, but I had my trolling motor on five, burning my bait past my trolling motor, dude. And this thing just flew past my trolling motor and still tried to eat the bait right next to the boat. <laughs> it just didn't give a shit. Damn, dude. Um, do you ever like? Can you walk it in place, with, like with small reel pops, to kind of like get it to sit in pockets and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. You can get it to almost one eighty on itself. Um, if you have like you just throw just enough slack into it after you give it a twitch yeah um yeah if you if you do it hard enough like if you have a, like a stiff enough rod yeah you can get that damn thing to, to almost turn around and just walk in place dang dude that that sounds like so much fun um what what about the crank are you just are you just cranking it or are you kind of cranking it down and then giving it rod pops kind of walk it in place yeah. down there kind of what what have you found to be the most effective for you burn pause honestly same thing with that one um and i don't know if it's i mean the profile is it being the gill i mean gills take off and pause and when they pause they just dead stop right so like uh most of the time you you would burn pause and then go to take off again and that's usually when you get your hit but uh burn just straight burn and then burn pause i would say is the most sometimes i do walk it just for shits and giggles i'll burn it down and then just walk it in front of grass lines and stuff like that and you can get some strikes out of that too, but for whatever reason, the burning past them, they can't stand it, and they they lash out and chase it down. 
oh man that sounds sounds like so much fun just yeah. reminiscing of when i get to fish and just just feeling like being able to be on a bite like that man i don't think there's anything better than just you know cranking it whether it be a glider or whatever and just yeah. blowing up the fucking somebody somebody pulls on the other end of that line it's just all hell breaks loose after that oh yeah yeah no it's it's that tug is the drug thing right yeah dude yeah um how how much does the bait weigh? I, I I gotta bet it's probably maybe two and a half ounces. Yeah, two point three. Um, it's like two point three to like two point three eight, kind of depending. But yeah, just shy of two and a half ounces. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, does it come with stock hardware, or do you just do split rings, or or do you just recommend hooks, or what do you? How, how no, do they? Put, if I'm to buy one, how's it come? There we go. <laughs> yeah, so if you were buying one, so they come with two silicone tails. Um. And I put owner hooks and, and split rings on them. So I use owner ST36, uh, size two hooks. And then I have um, hyperwire, the owner hyperwire, size three split rings. Um, okay, hell yeah. Yeah. And then everything else is, uh, well, I mean, I could, well, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So pretty much all they come with. <laughs> right. I'm saying they, just got, they got a clear coat on them. And, oh, yeah, yeah. What uh, what's your setup that you're fishing fishing your baits on? So I got a custom rod. It's actually by Daryl Donarski. Yeah. Um, yep. Hopefully, I said that right. If I butchered it, I'm sorry. I think you. But did. Uh, it sounded right. It's when I read it, that's good. how I read it in my head. So <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, so we're on the same page. Uh, but no, he he built a custom one. Um, it's a seven eight. I want to say it's like a medium heavy, moderate, fast. You know, kind of that mid range. Um, but it has a, a pretty stout backbone and I only run like 15 pound line for my, my gills. Um, sometimes I run 20 on my wakes for like, like big game 20 for the wakes, but, mm -hmm. but mainly that if I'm going for smallies, I don't know why I just, I run the 15, um, co-poly. Okay. And then yeah, yeah that and 200 you're probably, you're probably getting away with like a 200 side or like a K or tat 200 probably. Yeah, no, I use the the Crowd K, the two hundred one. Hell yeah, dude! Good, good old lefty reels. Hell yeah! Is there anything <laughs> I'm forgetting to touch on with the bait? I'm trying. To, oh, the website, the website, uh, senseiswimbaits.com, right? Yeah, senseiswimbaits.com, and uh, you know, socials. It's Sensei Swimbaits, and then my personal page is Sensei Smallies. Hell yeah, dude! I'll uh, I'll link all that stuff. You have baits on the site currently, right? There's baits loaded on there. Yeah, yeah. Currently, I got some gills. Um, in fact, I just painted up a couple uh, bass right before I hopped on this. Um, so I'm gonna put a couple bass on there. I got perch, and then uh, yeah, in both wake and cranks. Oh, and blanks. I got blanks. If anybody just wants to paint their own or do whatever, send it to BNA. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, is there anything we didn't touch on that that you were you were ready ready to talk about? You had your stories lined up or or information together. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, the only other thing is uh, just some upcoming baits. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Got, what, what do we got coming down the shoot? Yeah, we got a crawler. Uh, so it's a giant. Ooh. Yeah, so like five, five and quarter, five and a half inch, uh, single joint. Uh, but that'll be out there. That'll be coming up. It'll be ready for spring. And then um, we also have a, a, a three-piece squirrel coming in the mix, too. So rather than a rat, basically a rat, we'll call it. But uh, A rodent. <laughs> a rodent, yeah. 
Yeah, so we got a three piece and then that that crawler coming. So, Hell yeah, what about the glide? Is the glide on the way? Glides out. Um, I just got to get uh, I just got to get my ass to gear in gear on that <laughs> and just start pouring blanks. Because you know how it is with glides, man. They're just it's they're tedious. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. So when I get uh, when I get a little bit ahead on my my gills, which we are now. Um, I'll be able to focus on the glides again and start bringing those back. But yeah, the glides are, they're a seven inch perch, same thing. Owner, owner ST 36. Um, I just up the size to like ones and then size fours on the rings. So yeah, same thing. So sil silicone tails. How far do you live from the water? Like how, how far do you have to travel to test all these baits? Or are you lucky and live by like a lake or a river or something? Yeah, I live five to six minutes from a lake. Oh, um, so I could just, yeah, I just shoot right down the road. I could bring all my tools and everything with me. If I, you know, need to adjust something and I got to run home. It's, it's not a big deal. It sucks, dude, when you have to do it like 30, 40 times in a week. Yeah. <laughs> that sucks. So I do plan on building a, a test tank cause I'm, I'm fucking overdriving. Even though it's only five minutes, it's still, that's time, time away from building, you know? Yeah, exactly. Especially if you have to go down there and test, you know, 30 baits. It's like, oh my gosh, I might as well just between my time and the gas to get down here going back and forth, I might as well just buy $200 worth of wood and a tarp and build my own. Dude, exactly. And that's right where I'm at, man. I'm like, I've spent probably $400 just in fuel last year or this year just to go to the lakes to test. You know, it's like, fuck this. Yeah, especially with the fuel prices up there. It just, it makes sense to build a tank. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Absolutely. Hell yeah, man. But, um, but yeah, dude, other than that, I'm, I think I covered, or you covered most everything. Hell yeah, dude. Shout out to socials. All that will be in the uh, in the show notes. You guys can go follow Austin in the, in the bait building adventures. Um, keep an eye out on the stuff he's got coming down the chute. As always, check out the site. That'll be uh, linked in the show notes too. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I think I think that's everything. Um. So while while you're following Austin Sensei swim baits and uh, is it Smalley Smalley Sensei yeah. or Sensei Smalley Sensei Sensei Smalley yeah okay so while you're following Sensei Smalley you can uh, follow the podcast on Instagram if you don't already Scales and Tails underscore Media keep up to date with all the episodes and all that good stuff uh, if you if you want to help support the show directly you can jump on the Patreon five or ten dollars a month automatically gets you into the uh, giveaway drawing every month as well as when those magazine drop, you uh, you get early access, and you also get some behind-the-scenes stuff. So so guys kind of know what's in the magazine before before they even drop or before they even get printed. Um, Patreon, Instagram. I'll uh, rate the podcast on your listening platform if you haven't already. kind of helps the algorithm and, and kind of pushes the podcast to people who, who listen to similar stuff, kind of gets gets uh, recommended to them and that uh, I appreciate that always helps out a little bit leave a review if you haven't already I think it's only Apple and Google I think you can leave reviews like that I'm not too sure but uh, I think that's everything I want to thank Austin for coming on it's been a while since we've been since we've visited the PNW so and and since we've interviewed a bait maker so we got we got to do two birds one stone right there man so yeah. I, I, I appreciate Austin coming on like I said all of his stuff will be linked in the notes as always so you can guys go follow him if you don't already check out his baits if you're interested um, other than that I think that's everything I hope you guys enjoyed yeah. the episode and I'll talk to you guys next time see you guys